0: Listeners of the Trap Draw, this is Randy. Before we dive into today's episode, we have an NLU house advertisement. We're going to try something new and and brag on ourselves a little bit, advertise for ourselves. Neil insisted I hit the air horn before this ad, but I'm going to save all your eardrums and abstain from doing that. But I do want to say this episode of the Trap Draw podcast is presented by The Nest, No Laying Ups community of avid golfers around the world. The Nest is centered around no-laying-up season-long event series that kicks off in earnest this month with events across the United States, Canada, and even the United Kingdom. Plus, at the heart of The Nest is our dynamic message board where members discuss golf and golf-adjacent topics. Lord knows there are a lot of golf-adjacent topics. In addition to that, members have access to exclusive content like our monthly Nest podcast, new hire Kevin Van Valkenburgh, is writing a monthly members only column. And then on the merchandise side, we offer Nest members 15% off all purchases in the NLU Pro Shop. We offer early access to limited inventory releases and we give everybody an annual member gift. So if you become a 2023 Nest member, your member gift will ship next year, January of 2024, as a thank you for being a part of the Nest. So if you're looking to play more golf, meet other avid golfers, especially where you live, and get deeper into the NLU universe. You can learn more about what's included with the Nest membership at nolayingup.com join. Again, that's nolayingup.com join. And now let me kick it to Mr. Jeezy.
1: block that right on my waistline is why i kept that strap i remember nights i didn't remember nights i damn near went crazy i had to get it right now i'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper hey now i'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper the absolute truth yeah no joke Who me? I
0: thank you very much mr jeezy oh folks this is randy again Welcome to the Trap Draw Podcast. I'm glad you're here. This is always a favorite one for me. It's that time of year. We're, we're into March Madness, and we're going to break down the brackets. I'm, I'm bringing back Coach Seth Greenberg, ESPN analyst, to help me do it. Before I bring Coach Greenberg in, though, I want to say I think starting next year I'm going to have to do a women's bracket preview and a men's bracket preview because, folks, if you're a basketball fan at all, I hope you will watch the women's tournament. It begins their first round is March 17th and March 18th. All the games are on the ESPN family of networks. And if you're looking for an entry point, my favorite player in college basketball, men or women, this year was Iowa's Caitlin Clark. She's a junior guard. She's led the Hawkeyes to a great season. They won the Big Ten tournament title. And how's this for numbers? She's averaging 27 points a game, 7.5 rebounds a game, 8.3 assists per game on 47% shooting. She just is electric. She'll pull from seemingly anywhere across half court. In the Big Ted title game against Ohio State, she went for 30 points, 17 assists, and 10 rebounds. Uh, Just a nice little triple-double there for her. You may have seen her game winner against Indiana uh, a a few weeks back on ESPN. Um, Just a a dynamic, dynamic basketball player. Their first game is going to be this Friday at 4 o'clock Eastern against Southeast Louisiana. In addition to Iowa, I'd be remiss not to mention the defending national champions. They're undefeated this year. That's the South Carolina Gamecocks. Coach Dawn Staley, I think she's got the most swag of any coach in college basketball. They're a ton of fun to watch. They're trying to become, I believe, the fifth program to complete a perfect undefeated season. Obviously trying to defend their title from last year. Oh gosh, who else? Um, Stanford is really good. Cameron Brink is an inside-outside force. Um, I think they're a ton of fun to watch. Virginia Tech's having a great season. Indiana is having their best season in in decades. Um, And I haven't even mentioned UConn yet. You can always count on UConn. They're a two-seed. They've battled some injuries. So I implore you, if you are a a basketball fan, I know the the men's tournament's going to provide a lot of viewing opportunities. But I urge you to seek out some of these women's games. Uh, Start with Iowa, start with South Carolina, start with Stanford, and and go from there. All right. With that said, uh, let me thank one other sponsor of today's episode. And this is a new partnership for us Omni Hotels and Resorts. Omni Hotels and Resorts delivers the best modern golf experience from corner to coast. Their portfolio features 12 diverse golf destinations with 28 courses. And let's face it, a lot of the country, it's still wintertime, it's cold, you're not really getting to play a lot of golf. It's time to get out. You can go to omnihotels.com NLU. Pick an Omni Golf Resort. Maybe it's you know Omni Barton Creek in Austin, Texas. Maybe it's Omni Champions Gate in Orlando, Florida. Maybe it's the Homestead in Hot Springs, Virginia or Omni Tucson National in Tucson, Arizona. Get to someplace warm. Start knocking the rust off your golf game. We think you're really going to enjoy your trip. And Omni's golf courses are more than just a resort amenity. They take their golf very seriously. They have courses that were built by some of the most renowned golf course architects, including Donald Ross, Corin Crenshaw, Tom Fazio, William Flint. the list goes on. And you might've heard about the, the exciting new modern project they're working on at Omni PGA Frisco. That's got the golf world a buzz. I have not been there, but Tron and Cody have, they're raving about the golf course. It's gonna play host to PGA championships on the men's side to women's PGA championships on the LPGA side. That's a fantastic property coming online this year. But again, they feature resorts and courses all across the country. From Omni Bedford Springs in Bedford, Pennsylvania to the Omni Mount Washington and Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. You can get to some really, really, really cool places. Heck, there's even one in my backyard, the Omni Interlochen here in Denver, Colorado. So go check out all their amazing golf properties and find great golf offers at OmniHotels.com N-L-U. Again, OmniHotels.com slash N-L-U. Perfect for a guy's trip, a girl's trip, or a family trip, Omni Hotel and Resorts, exceptional hospitality, and phenomenal golf. We're so excited to be working with them, and I thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. Now let's get to Seth Greenberg. All right, well, joining me now, uh, once again, it's my favorite time of year, and this is becoming one of my favorite conversations. It is ESPN college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg. He's back to help with my bracket, hopefully to help with your bracket. Um, I want to mention his Twitter handle, at Seth on Hoops, is where you can find him there. He's a former two-time ACC Coach of the Year at Virginia Tech. He's coached in several NCAA tournaments. Uh, Seth, coach, can't thank you enough for coming back. How are you doing?
1: Oh, man, this is big time. I'm just a highlight of my March
0: Madness <laughs> for me now. I
1: figure if I do this, I might get a couple of dozen tight lists. <laughs>
0: Well, happy to send you some, some no laying up gear. Uh, of course we can, we can coordinate that afterwards. Um, I, yeah. Well, let me ask you about your golf game. I know this is this is the time of year you, you kind of start getting the heavy stick out. You start taking those first swings. Uh, how how are you feeling about your golf how game? How do you know that?
1: How did you know that? I was in the garage the other day with the heavy stick.
0: Well, you told me that last year, so I figured you're yeah, kind of was, on the same routine. I was listening routine. up
1: the shoulder the back. I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I've done my walking. I'm in pretty good shape, but uh, you know I'll tell you one thing. The heavy stick, I didn't have really good balance. I put the clubs down at the end of August and I pick them up after the final four so. Not probably ideal, but the older you get, let's put it this way, the harder it is to get it back. Not that I ever had it.
0: No, I feel that. Yeah, the body just stops cooperating. Uh, well, I certainly hope you're not giving any putts out, of, out at your club. That was one thing I loved hearing last year. You're, you're not a gimme's guy, uh, so, I, so I hope you held strong last oh, yeah. last golf <clears throat> season.
1: Our guys, they make you put it right there. <laughs> yeah. I love no, it. No scraping it in.
0: You know, I, the ball hitting the cup—it's it, one of those sounds in sports that's just magical. It's like a, a the ball going through the net, right? the the, the swish sound—they're the, just certain sounds that are that are wonderful. And so I'm always like, you, you want to you you want to hit the bottom of the cup. You want to put out. I want that sound.
1: Yeah, if you haven't played with Gideon Coleman because he <laughs> he scrapes everything in. <laughs>
0: No, I have it. I have it. Uh, But I'm gonna make him putt when we do. Uh, all right, Coach. Let's let's get into it. I have a few general basketball questions, and then I would love to to get into your bracket and uh, and and pick your mind. Let me start here. Uh, player of the year, Coach of the year for you this this basketball season.
1: Player of the year, is Zach Eadie. He's just different than everyone else. I mean, it's almost impossible to game plan for the guy. I mean, you play on the side of him. He pushes you up the lane. You play on the other side of him. He pushes you down the lane. You play behind him. He can finish over either shoulder. He packs the game on the defensive end. Uh, he's much more of an athlete than people realize. Um, and uh, he makes his free throws and everything you do. And 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 your officials can't even officiate the guy because, like, say, like you know, like how do you officiate the guy? Because no, we've not we haven't seen anyone like him since Yao Ming. He didn't play college basketball. And you can't game plan for the guy in a lot of ways because you can't simulate him in your practice. Oh, yeah, I mean, let's get the seven-foot-five guy out here, all right? So we'll work on doubling him. So, you know, it's just he's just different. Now, Jalen Wilson would be in in the conversation. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, Brandon Miller's in the conversation, no doubt about it. But Zach Adie, to me, is the player of the year.
0: And then coach of the year?
1: You know, that, that, that is a really, really hard because I think there are a bunch of guys that have done an amazing job with their team, like Bill Selford. I mean, they lose two guys in the first round of the NBA, and they're right back at it. You know, Kelvin Sampson, you know, number one in the country. Uh, you know, Nate Oates, what a job he's done with his team. I mean, if you, you look at it, my coach of the year is Shaka Smart. It came down to shock Shaka Smart and, and Matt Painter. Uh, both non-ranked, both, you know, obviously, Matt's the number one seed, Shaka's the number two seed, uh, Shaka, because I think that in your second year, to get the culture and the identity where way you want it that quickly is so hard to do. If I did a late season coach of the year, I might put John Shire in that conversation. <clears throat> the agility that he showed throughout the season and the patience he showed with his team, to me, was really, really impressive.
0: I'm fascinated where you have that Duke team ending up. That that potential Duke Purdue Sweet Sweet Sixteen matchup uh, could be very wow. good. Yeah. Wow. Uh. Well, actually, Marquette. I wanted to ask you something. I I want to use Marquette as an example. And and coach, I, I want to kind of have you draw back on on your coaching days. And and it's around performance in conference tournaments. And I've always wondered, you know, take a team like Marquette. Uh, They won three games in three days. They won the Big East championship tournament. Uh, Two of those games were very tight. They they obviously, you know, spent a great deal of physical energy. Don't, have as many quote-unquote rest days now before their first tournament game and you contrast that with a team I, I picked Baylor who lost their first mm-hmm. game in the Big 12 tourney um, so they might not have the the on-court momentum but conceivably they've had a chance to rest and and recuperate a little bit before they begin their tournament. In your opinion is there is there any silver lining to losing early in a conference tournament? How did you like to enter the NCAA tournament? Would Would you rather have as much momentum, win as many games as possible, or would you take those kind of couple extra rest days and, and use them as preparation for the tournament?
1: Depends on how old your team is. Uh, you know, when I was coaching Long Beach State, uh, our championship game was on a Sunday. And then, boom, we were playing, you know, Right, on, right right, around the corner, Thursday or Friday. And, you know, with a travel day, it was difficult. Uh, at Virginia Tech, obviously, we played the conference tournament. We got to the semifinals the year that we made the tournament. But, um, no, I, I think that as long as you don't play Sunday, I think the SEC has got to change their championship game. But if you, Saturday, if, you, if you're done Saturday, you know what? You get home, you're off Sunday. You got a prep day on Monday where you're doing film with your team. You're doing, you know, basically recovery day uh travel tuesday uh, and you're you're good to go travel tuesday have a good all practice at home travel tuesday get there tuesday night shoot around on wednesday and i think you're good to go that's been your routine the whole season long anyway so i think this, this is too much you know three games in three days yeah that's why you're going to give them like a shock i, I guarantee you shock the game off sunday so game gave them off sunday they bring them back monday probably you know the school's out spring break uh, bring them out for morning film, you know, kind of get some stretched out recovery stuff, shots, scattered report, walk through some stuff. I'll tell you what coaches are doing a better job of now. They, they're they managing load, not load management because it's not load management, but, but uh, they're, they're using film more They're using stretching more. They're, they're more conscious of the body and the mind and uh, being fresh and having like, and having the energy to go out, and deal with the pressure. Like you can't overload your team and then deal with the pressure.
0: Yeah. Um, I, and, and kind of along those lines, I've, I'm curious how, how you did it and how you sense the majority of coaches these days are doing it. In terms of uh, kind of breaking down the tournament into three mini four-team tournaments.
1: That's, what the, that's exactly what it is. is.
0: Is that what most people do?
1: Hundred percent. You you're you're in a fourteen bracket. So you look like, now now will you have maybe your assistant video coordinator pulling tape and, and getting ready pre for the next week? Yeah, but you know what? You get the announcement, you see the pod you're in. Each assistant coach has a has a team they're gonna prepare for. And your video guys are gonna focus on your first opponent first. You go to synergy, and you start your preparation. First is personnel, then is Basically, the, their identity of who they are and how they win. Then you decide as a staff, what are you going to give? What are you going to take away? What can you exploit? And then you piecemeal it to your team. And and that's basically the process that you go through.
0: And really, you're trying to incorporate that strategy, the the you know, anything you're trying to do, I, I assume you're, you're incorporating through walkthroughs. I mean, I mean this time of year, you're not really going full practice. Yeah, well, I would imagine. I, the, the,
1: well, no, actually you know, that, that Monday will be, uh, you're going to teach your, your blue team or whatever team, you know, a lot of the other teams offense is what they're trying to do so that you can probably three quarters speed uh, and then talk about what you, you know, what you're going to try to do that maybe they do differently to, to attack what they're going to do different, differently, really personnel-driven. Like, by this time of the year, your defensive principles should be in place. You should know, all right, we're guarding ball screens X, Y, and Z. All right, we're guarding, we're, we're, we're red denying certain shooters. We're blitzing certain ball screens. We're going we're gonna to scrape off the post, or we're doubling from the top, or we're doubling, you know, from the passer. All those things are in place. So, first and foremost, you understand who you're playing against, you know, the personnel. What you know, and to me, you can never let the other team's best player beat you. It's that plain and simple. So that's the focal point first and foremost. And then you'll, you know, you might do some ODOs once you get lathered up. You might do some ODOs just to stretch it out. Uh, but that probably would be towards the end of your practice on Monday, a little bit light, and then Tuesday, you're digging into it.
0: Just for folks listening, I assume <clears throat> ODO is offense, defense, offense, offense defense, offense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh God. Takes me back. I I miss it. Um, Then one one last thing, and I think kind of a missing variable that that certainly plays a a key factor in all the tournament games um, is the officiating. And coach, I wanted to ask you about the state of officiating in college basketball. I I watch a lot of Mid American Conference basketball. I I love mid major basketball, and I I got really frustrated this year because I would you know tune into a, a Tuesday night. Mac game and sometimes these games in regulation would you know team fouls would be up in the mid 40s and and I just felt to me it was it was getting very ticky tack um they they were taking away a lot of natural physicality in the game and I I think ultimately it just robs the game of some rhythm and timing and, and enjoyability quite quite frankly is that something that you've seen across college basketball is is there it depends on the league okay.
1: Like the Big Twelve, they let them beat the crap out of each other. They redefine a foul. They speak to officials. They say they 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 officiate advantage disadvantage. In the lower leagues, in the mid majors, those officials are trying to work their way up. They're officiating to the letter of law. And you know, and that's like Jay Bills loses his mind because he thinks the game's too physical. Well, you know what? Uh, If you called every single foul in you know the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, then your best players would be on the court. Now you say, well, the players should adjust. They should adjust, but you know, when you get a league player, fouls redefined.
0: When you look at tournament matchups, how much does the officiating crew then matter? Is that something as a coach that, that you would at least give a little thought to and, and try to suss out how the game might be called?
1: You, 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 know, you might have a scout report on the officials. The biggest thing is the first two rounds are going to call tight. I, I can guarantee the first two rounds are going to call tight because those guys want to advance to the next second weekend. And if they don't call tight, then they're not advancing. Once they get past that first weekend, uh, I think I think the observers, unless some something really stupid, they know who's who's the Final Four, and then and then you'll
0: see them free them up a little bit. It's really interesting. Um, all right, last last general question. Then I want to get into the details. Uh, any any coach player that that you feel is under a lot of pressure? In this NCAA tournament, maybe it's you know a guy like Zach Eady that's that's got to uh, solidify a player of the year candidacy or, or a coach on the hot seat. Or, or is there anybody that springs to mind? I wouldn't
1: say a coach on the hot seat, but obviously, you know, Lexington. I mean, I think John done a great job with this team, but I mean, the Big Blue Nations—they're certifiably insane. And uh, you know, uh, if they got bopped by Providence in the first round, I think those people would lose their minds. So, I, you know, I would say of of the coaches uh not justly but to just you know byproduct of being a coach of kentucky and losing to you know to st peter's the year before uh i would say you know probably more pressure on him than anyone else in the first round
0: all right well let's dive into it i uh last year you told me you get like five minutes after the the brackets are released to fill yours out not even this year <laughs> Usually you're trying to do it live on, on television. Uh, but I say all that because I know some of your picks may change when you, when you get a little time and uh, a, a chance to think about stuff. So um, I, I was trying to think about the best way we can kind of cover a lot of information and hopefully this accomplishes that. So I, I guess my first question, when we look at those teams that are seated 13 through 16, any any of those teams you like for a first round upset? Anybody that uh, you've picked for a first round upset?
1: I don't think I have a thirteen. I've got some tens and some twelves, but I don't have a thirteen. I'm just uh, I'm double checking my original sheet here. This is, this is the official sheet of integrity, by the way. <laughs> one bracket that was filled. That one bracket, yeah. You know, and I've kind of I've played around with it a little bit on on, on different shows that I've done. Uh, I'll tell you what I do have. If I was going to make one change, it wouldn't be a 13, but if Pitt wins their playing game, I got Pitt beating in Iowa state. Iowa State, I don't think they can keep on one side of the floor. I think they'll keep it in the middle third. They're an older team. They start four guys that are fifth year seniors. Basically. Uh, they can really shoot it. They're, they're They've got a maturity about them. Uh, I really like, uh, I, I did one of their games against, uh, Wake Forest. I, I was really, really impressed with their toughness. Uh another and that's not a thirteen, I don't think. Uh VCU St. Mary's. Uh VCU identity. It's it can you impose your uh your identity on the game? And St. Mary's, you gotta limit your exposure to defending in the half court. So you gotta extend your defense. Well, that's what VCU does. Uh and I watched the St. Mary's Gonzaga game. We were at that game, and uh Gonzaga just on makes. Now, obviously, it's VCU's got to score On makes, they extended their defense. It really bothered St. Mary's. And it threw them off and limited their exposure in the half court to really get into their flow and their offense and move the defense and get the ball reversed and then drive closeouts or those spread ball screens. So uh, I, think, I, think, I think VCU is an interesting, an interesting pick. I'll give you another double-digit pick. Love Penn State. <clears throat> Love Penn State. Don't turn it over. Don't give them second shots. Shoot a ton of threes. A M and struggles shooting the ball. They rely on getting to the offensive glass and turning you over and taking you out of offense. Ain't no one taking jail and picking that of offense. That dude just backing dudes down, waiting for double teams, and the thing is me flying around. Uh, I really like Penn State a lot as a double digit seed.
0: Yeah, I I, God, I honestly really like the four thirteen games this year. I I think um, you know you can start with UConn, Iona. Rick Pitino coaching Iona is that a
1: prelim to the Big the Big East matchup next year? Oh,
0: that's I mean that's certainly what everybody <clears throat> that's certainly what everybody expects. Um, the 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 committee got a little cheeky there. I think the Ken State Indiana game is is that,
1: everyone's fallen in love. With the Penn, the, Indiana lost their last game; they'll be fine. Okay, for, State, for the last ten games they've won one, lost one. No answer for Trace Jackson. Rob's done a great job. Sincere Carey is a terrific player. Uh, I like their backcourt. But they got no answer for Trace Jackson Davis, and I think Jalen Hirschfina will will rise to the occasion as a young player.
0: Well, and then the other one, Furman and uh, UVA, Virginia, yeah,
1: yeah, that's an interesting matchup. Uh, I did. Bob Ritchie's a good friend. I talk to him all the time. Obviously, uh, Slosson and Bothwell are are two very good players. Not good enough defensively, I'm, I don't think, uh, to win that game, but. Surely won't back down. They played NC State early in the season. NC State got them pretty good. Uh, JP Pe- Baguise Pe- is also a very good point guard. Like they, they're gonna have to win that game in the perimeter and in the backcourt. They're playing the th- three really terrific perimeter defenders. You know, now you know. I mean, Slawson plays more up front, but I, I you know, I think that uh, there are matchups that will uh, that that Virginia will have to have. I th- I do think that game will be a fascinating game. I'll give you another fascinating game: Missouri, Utah
0: State, and and I take the over. Take the over, and I'm glad you said that because I I think a lot of people will look at Utah State and I, and I'm guilty of this too. did Did not see a lot of Utah State this year at all. Um, but just looking at their numbers, the the stats, it it is a very very good team. What 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 should people know about Utah State? How, how do they play? Uh, are they an yeah. experienced team? Yeah.
1: Experienced team, because they get those guys back in the, more of the missions. Ryan Odom is their coach. He was my former assistant, so I'm a little biased. Uh, they shoot about 47% of their shots from the three-point line. Uh, they shoot almost 40%. Steven Ashworth is a hard-cut and really good player. Uh, Taylor Funk is a f- front-court guy that can stretch the defense. They're a terrific passing and cutting team. Uh, they play. were a beautiful offense. Uh, all kinds of different angles, uh, ball screen, zoom action, throwbacks, uh, Floor wide open. They're going to have to handle the pressure of Missouri. Uh, Kobe Brown could be a tough matchup, but Funk could be a tough matchup on the other side. Uh, they can handle the pressure. One thing about Missouri now is they don't go into three well, and they give up a ton of threes because of their trapping. So if Utah State gets threes, they make threes if they're in, ry- in rhythm. So that, that's a, it's going to be a fun game to watch.
0: Yeah. Going back to the five twelve, you mentioned – St. Mary's, VCU, um, do you have I, – I don't know if you picked VCU. Do you have any 12 seeds winning? That's one, you know, every year. I did pick VCU. Okay. Um, to win that game. And then what about Charleston? Charleston? I think that's the other one. Charleston. Charleston
1: is trendy. Yeah, exactly. Top 30 in pace of play, which is huge. They played nine, ten guys. Too many scores over the last 10 games come off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think Brozovich is a tough matchup. Uh, they're, they, they actually – they don't shoot great from the three, but they take a ton of threes. They're a really good offensive rebounding team because they're flying around. Uh, they don't really guard great, but they get you to play their pace of play. You know, I think that, you know, if you want to take a flyer on that, uh, San Diego State's a big, physical, tough, grinded out, a little bit better than he'd been offensively. Matt Bradley's a very, very physical frontcourt guy that can score. Lamont Butler is an elite, elite defender. Nathan Mensah can protect the front of the rim. The kid Tremel transfer from – Seattle can score. I think Seattle can kind of his shot selection is not great, but he can score it. Parish can really shoot the three. That's where they've gotten better. Uh, I think San Diego state wins that game uh, with their physicality, but there will be no back down in Charles.
0: Thinking about St. Mary's VCU, it's such a great clash of styles and, and we have a number of those games in the first round. Do you tend to, I, I know a well-balanced team is obviously what you're after, but if, if, if if you're kind of looking at a, a slower tempo grinded out style team or a more fast pace, you know, shooting a lot of threes, which, which type of team do you tend to think, uh, does better in a one and done NCAA tournament type setting? You know,
1: it's, it, right, it's, it's, it's really which team can impose that identity on the other. Like either way you can win. Um, The team that can impose their identity on the other that is the key so if you can impose your identity on the game whether it's speed it up or slow it down that's an advantage uh so you know you can win a lot of different ways in our game but uh the key is who wins that battle the battle of identity is the key
0: I don't know why. I always think with the with the slower teams, you know, if, if if they're not making shots early, they allow the other team to hang around. The score always feels close. Oh, yeah. I just feel like the pressure can build a little bit more with, with those really slow tempo teams.
1: But those teams always are playing those games.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So like like here's for example, UNBC Virginia. Right. What UNBC what they do? They own the tempo of the game, right? They mucked it up, and and that's you know by pressure, uh, you know by being aggressive, by driving, you know, and that's really you know it's almost like Alabama. Say Alabama plays West Virginia in the second round. Teams that have bothered Alabama. Now I'm a big Alabama fan, but teams that have bothered Alabama have been really physical. Oklahoma, Tennessee, you know, can they be physical enough to disrupt that pace and spacing of Alabama? And disrupt their flow and disrupt their 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 identity, then maybe they can pull an upset. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's one of my favorite things to watch for. Speaking of the one seeds, do you have all the one seeds into the Sweet Sixteen? And if so, yeah,
1: I I do, I do, but I have one losing. I I only have one one seed get to the Final Four.
0: Okay. I, I was going to ask you, which, which one seed do you feel like is in the most potential danger the, the first weekend?
1: The one that plays Duke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there
1: you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Duke's a five. I mean, Purdue would get them in the Sweet 16, man. I'll tell you, that's a rough Sweet 16 game.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh,
1: especially Because Duke has the bigs. They don't. And look, Purdue absolutely kicked their ass in Portland. This ain't the same Duke team. This is a different team right now uh duke is duke's duke's playing really well so that would be a that would be a brutal brutal matchup and then look if you look at the right side of the bracket houston's got an injury to deal with miami's got an injury to deal with Uh, ucla's got an injury to deal with kansas has got an injury to deal with so i tell people to go to espn bracket challenge and fill out more than one bracket because you better I have a contingency plan. if those teams that have gotten beaten up, uh, you better have a contingency plan. Well,
0: come on. That goes against the bracket of integrity, though. I agree. But you know what? You got to have agility.
1: <laughs> I only do one, but that is what it is. Yeah.
0: Well, then, if you don't mind, uh, let's, let's do this. Wait, do you mind running me through your sweet 16? Yeah, sure. We can we can start. Maybe we'll start on the left side uh, in Alabama's region, in the South region.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, Alabama, UVA. Alabama wins that game. Alabama, I think. Just again, I don't think. I I think they have the discipline to defend uh, Virginia. I've got actually Creighton, Arizona, and I've got Creighton winning that game. Uh, I think they have the size to defend that high-low game. I think that Trey Alexander is a tough matchup. I think Nemhardt is a tough matchup. I think Shineman knocks down some jumpers. Uh, so I've got him winning that game. Uh, and then I have Alabama beating Creighton. Uh, I just think Alabama's most complete team, the deepest team, they can play fast, they can play slow, they can run you off the three, they protect the rim, they beat you with the three, they beat you at the rim, they beat you at the foul line. They just beat you so many different ways. I got Purdue and Duke in the Sweet 16, and I got Purdue, uh, Duke winning that game. One of the few teams that has someone that can look Zach Eadie in the eye. I think they pressure and push that Purdue offense out of step. Uh, I think that uh, offensively, Darius Proctor can kind of be a little bit disruptive. I think Mark Mitchell's been really doing a good job uh, defensively, and the guys they bring off the bench. I think you know Whitehead has embraced the role of coming off the bench, as as is Ryan Young and. And Granderson. So they've got a nice little rotation right there. Uh, I've got Kentucky playing Marquette. I have Kentucky beating K State, and i Kentucky playing Marquette, and I've got Marquette winning that game. Uh, also, Ugadaro and Prosper are so skilled in the front court, but Tyler Cole is just a special player. He literally, they have an epidemic of, of unselfishness at Marquette. They really do a great job of the speed they play with. It's not, ha- it's Havoc offensively. It's not Havoc defensively.
0: Mm-hmm. I, that's, but that's they still so well turn over
1: 22% of your possessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to Marquette. <laughs> well, well, that's... And going to the final four. That,
0: that's, uh, I, something I wanted to ask you about was your assessment of Coach Shire In his first year, obviously following a legend in Coach K, um, have you seen him growing and evolving? i got to imagine you're pretty impressed with the job he's done in year one.
1: I'm blown away with his patience, with his maturity, and with his agility. The patience to deal with knowing that we're not going to be who we want to be in December. The maturity to have hard conversations with his team in private. All right, and then the agility to put the ball in Proctor's hands, play Roche off the ball, commit to Lively as he matured, bring Whitehead off the bench. All those are tough decisions to make, and he and he made them. I was really impressed with it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I am too. Um, all right, we can move to the other side of the bracket then. Uh, maybe I'll let you start with uh, Houston, the, the Midwest region.
1: If Sasser plays, I've got Houston and Miami. <clears throat> I've got Miami winning that because I I had Miami winning, I should say, but because of uh, North China O'Meara's ankle, I don't think it'll be 100%. I'm going to have Houston win that game with their defense and their ability to defend a perimeter. If Pitt wins, I had Pitt in Texas. If Pitt doesn't win, I would have Iowa State in Texas. Contingency plan. Uh and But I have Texas winning that game. I think Texas is depth at the guard. I think that uh, even they won without Timmy Allen. Dylan D'Souza playing a lot better, uh, giving them some scoring. I've got Kansas and UConn. UConn, they need to point their, their guard play to show up. Jordan Hawkins can't disappear. Uh, but I'd have that happening. And I've got UConn beating Kansas uh, with their overall size uh, and their ability to defend and Jordan Hawkins making shots. I've got TCU playing UCLA despite, and this is a, if a Dembone is playing. And I've got UCLA winning that game and playing UConn in the Elite Eight. And I've got UConn beating UCLA because obviously without Jalen Clark, they're a different basketball team. I've got Texas beat Miami, and I, that's my final four Texas, UConn, Duke, Alabama.
0: Well, that's not, that's not good news to my bracket. Coach, I, I've picked Gonzaga seemingly for the last 15 years.
1: I I, I like Gonzaga this well, year. Well,
0: and I actually like them coming in with a little less pressure. You know, they're a three seed, but they still – I think they have the, the best offense in the country. Um, I kind of like them. They're defending better. Yeah, I kind of like them being a little sneaky this year. No, I, you know what? I
1: don't disagree with you. I don't have them, but I don't disagree with the TCU. Again, I, I looked at that game as – style of play tcu a lot of people don't know mike miles is really explosive they score 90 points a game in transition uh they turn you over uh they they take you out of what you want to do uh that was a little bit of my, one of my flyers
0: is it surprising to you that that the the best college basketball conferences have have kind of shift south at least for this year it seems like the 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 SEC and the Big 12 are, are right there where traditionally, you know, I, I think it was a little bit of a down year for the ACC. Um, I, that's caught me off guard a little bit the last several years and, and I'm having to watch more SEC basketball than I ever did in the past.
1: Well, I mean, the SEC, they've had NIL for a long time. So they were in, they were geared up and ready to go. <clears throat> They've invested on it, serious stuff. They've invested in coaches. They've invested in facilities. Uh, the SEC network surely has always helped. They invested in infrastructure there. The Big 12, great coaches, great venues, great ownership, great passion. The Big 10 has the most teams, obviously, in the tournament, but not percentage of teams. And the ACC with Dutton Carolina are as good as they need to be, although Miami was better, NC State was better, Pitt was better. They're just the bottom of the league when Louisville's not good and Notre Dame's not good and Georgia Tech's not good. It and when I say not good, they're not good. Uh, It really hurts that it hurts the conference.
0: All right. Well, your final four then. Uh, Who who do you like in the championship game? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll close it up with this so I can finish my last podcast. I've got Alabama and Duke. I got Alabama winning the game. I got Alabama winning the game because of the speed that they play with. I got the they have the size and the length and athleticism to match up with Duke. And Texas, UConn. I've got Texas win that game on the defensive end, with a closer in in Marcus Carr, uh, and then finally uh, I've got Alabama winning the whole thing.
0: There you go. There you go, folks. Uh, well, Coach, I, I know this is an incredibly busy time for you. I can't thank you enough for for taking time. And uh, hopefully, we can do it again next year. And any golf stuff you need,
1: I'll tell you what we I'll tell you what we need to do. All right, at the end of this weekend. We need to reconvene, look at where we are, and do the Sweet Sixteen on in. What do you think? I love
0: it. I love it. You 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 All tell right? me the day and we time. Just, hey, I'm.
1: I'm... We, hey, we, we just we just we just played uh, you know the front nine, and we'll play the back nine on on uh, on next week, next Monday or Tuesday. Perfect. I love it.